Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Carrie, welcome to WBAP. Hi, thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, we we redid a house. We gutted a house, an old house, pure and beam house. And when we bought it from the contractor and when we've lived in it now a couple of years and we are noticing everywhere that where the sheetrock was, you can see all the straight lines of where the sheetrock was pieced together. Am I going to have to... <laughs> what am I, what, I mean, ceiling, walls, everywhere. We have just straight... Squares. Yep. In the wall. Uh, are your walls smooth or textured? They're a little bit textured. They're not real smooth. They're uh, they're a light texture, I would say. Yeah. Uh, because the reason you're seeing those is the way that they floated out the joints. It sounds like they needed mm-hmm. to float them out a little bit further before they did any type of texturing. Uh, because you can do smooth walls and not see those joints. And if if you've got some texture on it, that should have covered it up unless they didn't tape and float it properly, and that's what it sounds like. So I think that's old, exactly what's happened. Yeah. you you got two choices here, and neither one of them are going to be what you want to hear, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> okay. One is you can retexture. And put a heavier texture and paint. And I, I'm not looking at it, so I don't know for sure if that's going to cover it up or not. The okay. other choice the other choice is to actually sand down, tape or float it out a little bit better, and then reapply your texture and paint again. Now, one thing that I will bring up, sometimes if the paint's not heavy enough, lines for the sheetrock mud will show through even though it's taped and floated properly sometimes that will bleed through and that's just a matter of putting a primer sealer on it and repainting so it's really going to depend on what exactly is going on and since i'm not there to see it i can't really tell you daniel as promised how can i help you yeah i appreciate your show listen to you every saturday going to work well, I just you. wanted, I'm doing some fence repair at home. I did my posters before, but this time I noticed that the box door, they got the cement that you can just pour in the hole and pour water on top of it. I'm wondering what's the difference. I've been stirring mine up in the, in the wheelbarrow. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. For years, and by years, I mean for the last 30 years or 40 years. Oh, my gosh, it is 40 years already. Uh, when I put a post in the ground... I pack it with dry concrete around it, and the moisture in the soil will actually set that concrete up. I've got a 30-foot flagpole in my front yard that I put in that way. Okay, so that that may work okay then, just putting the cement in there and take the water hose and put a little water on it? I don't even do that. What I do is I uh, put my post in the hole, I put a little bit of concrete underneath it, dry, and pack it, put my post in the hole, and then I start filling it up in about six-inch lifts with dry mix, using the bottom, you know, the handle of the shovel to pack it around it and plumb the post up. 
and I just keep doing that in six inch lifts till I'm at the top. Once I get it to the top, I've, I dome my concrete a little bit so that water doesn't stand on it. It just runs off, and that's it. I leave it because the, the moisture in the soil will absorb into the concrete and set it up. Appreciate that information. I got one more question, if you don't mind. When we left, I was talking with Daniel. We were talking about pulling fence posts. Are you there still, Daniel? Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, you could. You you were talking about using the old bumper jack, and you can do yeah. that. What I typically do is use hydraulics, though. I just nail a board across the fence post, and I'll put a uh, block on one side and a hydraulic jack on the other. Now, I I cheat. I use an electric over hydraulic, so it, it's coming up fast, but you can do it with a hand jack as well. And it literally just lifts that post up out of the ground. My hole is already dug and ready for the next post. Okay, I appreciate that information. The main reason I wanted to do it, the utility people come out to check everything, put the flags down. It's beeping right on my side of the fence, but he says it's on the other side. So I know it's got to be pretty close. Well, and, and so keep just, in mind, yeah. when you call that, you know, the, the 811 before digging, when they come yeah. out and mark that stuff, they can be off. It's, you know, it's not unusual for them to be off. 12 inches in either direction uh but they they'll tell you up front they've got 18 inches from where they mark it in either direction so i mean they're taking out a a 36 inch wide swath there out of the out of the ground oh okay i appreciate that information with so many contractors doing this at the parking lots and you know these days all the utilities are getting broke up it's kind of dangerous it is very much so yeah I appreciate your information. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. Hey, and and that's just for everybody. If you are out doing any type of work, even if you're doing it yourself and you're going to be digging in your ground, you're supposed to call 811, have the utilities marked prior to starting digging. If you don't and you hit a, a line, the fines are extensive. Now, not to say it's going to be free if you do hit a line and had it marked, but I have had uh, some uh, instance, and I'll tell you, one time I was putting in a root shield, and I had a trenching machine going. We had the lines marked. We were well outside of the boundaries of the easements and everything, and we hit a utility line, a three-inch cable with a trencher, not once, but twice. And they tried to send me a bill for like $8,000 to put that cable back together. Well, they had extra cable when they had installed it and made a big loop that went outside their easement, way outside what they had marked as where the cable was, and so I didn't have to pay for that. And thank goodness, because the root shield was only $1,200, but nonetheless, whether you're a homeowner or a contractor, you have to call before digging. So make sure you do that anytime you're working around your home. We're going to head over to Bedford and Pamela. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, oh, my pleasure. We, we want to uh, replace the floor in our bathroom. And at the same time, we decided to change the toilet out. And we just have no idea what kind of toilet to buy. Do you have any suggestions? Sure. 
I personally like to have my toilets a little higher, so they make uh, toilets that a standard toilet is very low in residential. They make some toilet? that are, yeah, a standard one. Oh, okay. uh, but they make some that are, they're not ADA compliant, but they're between a standard and ADA and have okay. an, an oval bowl on it rather than the round bowl. All right. And as far as brands, take a look at Kohler, American okay, Standard. I was hoping Kohler would work because our church has some business with them. So yeah, if Kohler's no, Col- good. Kohler has very good. Now, I'll, I'm going to knock the box stores. Don't buy it at Home Depot or Lowe's. I want really? you to go to a regular plumbing supply store to buy that Kohler toilet. And here's why. Okay. The box stores has Kohler dumbed down their toilets. Uh, if you go to a regular plumbing supply store and buy it, the glazing is all the way through the, the trap and everything. When you buy it at the box store, it's not. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. All right. Everybody, everybody always thinks, oh, well, I'm just going to buy it at, at the box store because I can get it cheaper. You're not getting it cheaper because you're not getting the same thing. That's a reason, and it doesn't matter if it's a Kohler toilet, John Deere tractors, any of the the stuff. It's the box stores tell them I'll take ten thousand units if you'll do it at this price. They got to dumb it down to do it. Wow. Well, I remember that. Yep. So Kohler is as good as any. Oh, Kohler's a very good brand. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. In fact, Kohler is the only one that does the glazing all the way through the the uh, P-trap that way on their toilets. But like I said, you got to go to a plumbing supply store like, you know, Moore Plumbing Supply, Morrison, Ferguson, one of those type of places. You're not going to get it at the box stores. And yes, that is the same with John Deere. That is the same with the Toro products. Uh, all these different products that when you start looking elsewhere it looks like it costs more money i'll use uh some of the tools as an example you go buy well we'll we'll use john deere you go buy a john deere tractor at a regular dealer and spend an extra twelve hundred dollars on it but the steel is heavier the parts are metal instead of plastic that's where the differences come in now, you can get it cheaper at the box store. It's just not going to last as long, and you got to be prepared for that. How can I help you, Gary? Hi. I have a question for you. I'm, my home's about 25 years old, and there's uh-huh. parts of it are limestone. It's two-story, and parts of it are that old masonite siding. And rather than spend the money to repaint that uh, when it's you know inferior siding like that, I was considering either the hardy plank or possibly a stone veneer of some sort. And wonder yeah. if you, I, you know, I don't want to have to paint it again. And I understand hardy plank can come in colors, but it also, uh, I'm told, can still require painting, which I would like to avoid. Well, if you get the hardy with the color that's baked on at the factory, it comes with like a 25-year warranty on the paint job. So okay. the answer is yes, you may have to paint it some someday, but... Hardy holds paint better than other materials do. Where wood, 
you typically have to repaint it every five, seven years or so. And a lot of times it's not because the wood has, or the, that the paint has faded, but it's a lot of times because it starts peeling. You don't have a peel, peeling problem with hardy. And so your typical paint job is 10, 15 plus years, depending on the quality of the paint you use. But if you want to avoid painting altogether, then yes, you're going to be looking at using a stone product or a uh, brick or something like that. You mentioned a, a stone veneer. Uh, are you talking about like yeah. the little, the little uh, inch and a half pieces or something? Yeah, that, that, something like that. Because I don't have I don't have the footing for you know a solid brick yeah. or stone uh, in this area is where it will be. So it's going to have to be something that's attached to the existing frame. I have metal framing if that matters. Okay. No, it, it doesn't. My only issue that I've seen time and time again is those little stones. They get uh, basically mortared into place or they use a mastic to glue them in and those little pieces tend to come off over time and okay. so that that good. ends up becoming a, a, an issue I think you'd be better to take take a look at the hardy thanks for listening to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast now I would love your help if you enjoy listening to Texas Home Improvement anytime you want please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. Help us reach more people and grow the show in Texas and beyond. Please visit iTunes or wherever you listen and leave us a review. We're going to head to Bastrop, Texas. Josh, how are you? No, doing fine, Jim. Thank you. I had a uh, quick question for you. We, um, we just built our house uh, about a year ago and, um, we're having an issue with our water temperature. Um, when we have a faucet on and the, the hot water's on, the minute you turn on the cold, it just, it all gets cold. And I'm trying to figure out where that is stemming from or what, what, what the issue would be there. You know, it just completely flushes it out. Is it doing it in all the faucets or just one? Well, the main place you see it is in the master bathroom. I mean, uh, when you're when my wife's in the bath, she'll have the hot water on, and then you just, I mean, like I say, you turn it on, and it just it instantly almost all gets cold. You can barely turn it on just to balance the heat, you know? Right. So, um, but that is where it's more noticeable. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, I would say probably maybe just there. Yeah. Um, okay. If and the reason I'm asking if it's if it's isolated to one spot like that, a lot of times it's mm -hmm. nothing more than the fixture itself, uh, because there's mm -hmm. a mixer okay. there's a mixer inside the fixture, and mm -hmm. if something is is messed up in there, it, it's not letting the the proper flow come in from both sides and mixing it. Okay. And okay. it sounds like okay. that's what you've got going. Well, I noticed when I was here a lot when the plumbing was being done, and I noticed that the the way it was plumbed is that there was two separate handles, the hot and cold, and they come in, and then they join together to the spout. Right. And so I don't really see if there's, you know, I, I've heard of partridge issues, you know, where it's not yeah, no, mixing, this, but. Yeah. No, the, it, yeah, that that's a, that would be if it was a single handle faucet, but. In my mind, I was picturing a two-handle faucet, 
and just what you're talking about, where where they come together and they hit the spout, that's where it's mixing. And Mm -hmm. inside there is a is a piece that allows the water from both directions to come in and go out. Okay. If that piece, okay. if that piece has a uh, a twist in it, uh, or you know, the, mm-hmm. it's not just flush in the middle like it should be. When mm-hmm. water's coming okay. from both directions, it's allowing the wa- the cold water side to overpower the hot. Okay. Okay. Because because it's yeah, allowing too much of the cold issue. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it may be nothing more mm-hmm. than having to replace that brass fixture is all. Okay, okay. Well, all right, well, we'll uh, look into that. I appreciate it. You bet. Good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, you know, I say it may be nothing more than replacing that. When you're dealing with it on a shower or a bathtub and there's tile around it and all that stuff, if there's not access to the backside, it can be major to replace something like that. All right, let's get ready and head to Kingwood, and we're going to talk with Julianne. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. How, oh, how can Thank I help you. you today? Hopefully you can. I've already called an HVAC company out to take a look at my, at my ductwork. I'm having a residue coming out of my vents, and it appears to be, it looks like dirt, but I think it's like a mold of some type. Uh-huh. And he said that I need to clean out right above the vent and then caulk it, and that should take care of it. And it just doesn't seem like it would be that simple because it, it is affecting all the vents, not just one or two. It's everywhere. Right. And it's nasty. And I need to know, number one, how to fix it. Number two, how to clean it off my ceiling. Okay. Is is he thinking it's because the warm air of the attic is hitting the vents when the cold air is blowing through it, and and it's just causing it to sweat and yes. mold right there? Correct. And that is a very common problem, especially this year. Okay. I don't know why this year has been so much worse than previous years, but for some reason it has been. Okay. Uh, new codes when an air conditioning system is installed nowadays, they actually do caulk you know, take the vent cover off and caulk where the boot comes through for the air. Okay. And seal it to the sheetrock so that no air can penetrate. It does sound like that's probably what's causing your issue. And so if it was my home, the first thing I would do is remove all the vent covers, clean out up in there what you can see, and you're probably going to find that once you go up in there just an inch or two, there is no more of it. Okay. And if that's the case, then the the sealing it with caulking up there and keeping the air from mixing is all that you're going to have to do, and the problem will, will be solved. Okay. Now, how do I clean it off my ceiling? Now, that's a different story. Uh, you're going to have to clean it off, but more than likely, after you've cleaned it off, you're going to have to repaint. And before okay. you repaint it, you're going to probably have to put some... Uh, uh, like some Zinser primer sealer on there to seal it so that it doesn't just kind of show through on the sheetrock again. Sometimes, though, if it hadn't been there very long, it'll clean right off and you're done. Okay. Should I use like a like a part bleach, like one part bleach, two part water? My initial to clean it off would be to use just water. Okay. And then afterwards, if it hadn't cleaned up completely, use a 
uh, bleach water mix of 50 50. Okay. I would not okay. go over that. Most of the time, you just use a 25 75 mix, but uh, when you do an isolated area like that, a 50 50 will be fine. Okay. Very well, then I will do that. Is and there any type of particular caulk I should use? Is there a special caulk? Or no, just, no, it's okay. just, just regular uh, siliconized caulk. Use use one that's like a, uh, you know, because they come in different years. You can get them a five-year caulk or 10-year, 25. Don't use anything less than a 25-year caulk. Okay. Uh, they, I don't know why they sell those other ones because they're so cheap. They dry out in a matter of a, like two years and they start cracking and, and stuff. Okay. Okay. That's perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate your assistance. You're welcome. You take care. That's it. You too. Bye-bye. <sighs> yeah, we got to take care of those. Uh, any place where the warm air of the attic meets the cold air, even if there's sheet metal there, when those two temperatures mix, it's going to sweat and it's going to cause this mildew issue that we were just talking about. Another quick question that came in. Uh, oh, earlier today. I watched your video on soaker hoses. Great information for someone that did not grow up in Texas. This is talking about the one that I recorded last week. My question is how long through the year do you need to water? I'm sure May through September, but what about the cooler months? Do I need to keep it going when it's not 90 degrees out? Thanks, Jeff. Well, Jeff, I apologize because if I didn't say that you should do this year-round, shame on me. Uh, and I guess the opener where they're teasing me about I should make videos, uh, instructional videos for talk show hosts. Obviously, I don't need to be doing too many instructional videos if I left that part off. Because you need to water your foundation year-round. It takes just a little bit of water each day. But the reason for doing it year-round in the summer months, you're never going to keep up with it. You know, especially the, the way how dry we were up until earlier, you know, this week when it rained. But in the winter months, you're playing catch up from the summer and getting the soil ready for next summer. So it is a year-round process. And if you need to see the video on how to properly water your foundation, go to THIPro.com and uh, you'll be able to find the video there as far as watering your foundation. And again, if I didn't put in there that it should be year-round, I apologize. Hey, we did have a caller in the last hour who was asking a question about a screw that kept backing out. And typically, that's going to be in wood. It can be in metal, but usually it's going to be in wood. If you have a screw that is loose and you can't get it to bite down and stay, or it's continuously backing out, it's because it's a little bit loose. It's a simple fix. Take the screw out. Take some wooden toothpicks and hammer them into the hole. That closes up the hole, or you can use some wooden uh, matches as well. But you fill up that hole with just slivers of wood. Then you can put the screw in, and it'll bite in and hold without backing out again. Uh, hopefully that helps you out with that little trick there. I do use it all the time, like on uh, old door jams, and, and when you're putting uh, the... Uh, striker plate in the door you know as people have moved them before and you got multiple holes there and you gotta you gotta get a new hole between two old holes well you fill both those holes up 
with toothpicks, and sometimes you may stick a half dozen toothpicks in there. Now, I'll typically break the toothpick in half, so I've got two pieces to slide in. Uh, but you fill the hole up, now you're able to start a new hole where you need it and not have to you know, worry about it splintering the wood all up. Uh, in very rare cases, I'll even put a dab of wood glue on it, but 99% of the time, that's just not necessary. If it is in metal and it's something that keeps backing out or like a, a, a screw or a nut and bolt that keeps coming apart, just put a dab of Loctite on it. You can pick that up at any automotive store. And basically, it's it's like a little glue that holds the nut from backing off again. And it doesn't cost but, a, you know, a couple bucks and your problem is solved. This one came in from Todd in Garland. I have a second floor condo that had cracks in the concrete under the carpet when I pulled it up. I plan to install laminate flooring, but it's uneven. I plan to just fill the cracks with non-shrink and just rough pour non-shrink to level it. I just worry about seeping grout through to downstairs should there be plywood under the concrete. Well, there's either going to be plywood under the concrete or a metal base under the concrete, depending on how they put the structure together. But more than likely, it's just plywood, and they used a lightweight concrete on it. Uh, for leveling it, I'm not going to recommend that you use that non-shrink they make regular polymer-type floor levelers that you can spread out. And typically when I do it, I'll use like a, a 1 by 4, 4 feet long as my uh, screed. I'll spread the floor leveler out with that to give it semi-level. And then it's a self-leveling floor leveler, so it'll you know finish leveling itself out then and, then, and set up. As far as filling in the cracks and all that, you probably don't even need to worry about that. Because even if you fill in the cracks, it's likely to crack again. And if you were going to fill them in with something where you wanted to keep it from cracking again, what you would use is an, an epoxy to fill it in. So I take out anything that's loose. And if you have sections that come out that have to be replaced, because what you're going to find is that concrete floor up there is probably only two inches thick. It's probably a plywood floor with two inches of concrete on it just to give you a better surface for the flooring. You can pull up sections of it and re-pour it, again, using a lightweight concrete, and then just use fl a floor leveler on top of it, and you're good to go with your flooring then. Uh, I wouldn't get too fancy with it because really what you're trying to do is just have a good surface to put your floor down on. Not, uh, not a You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.